you can host the best backyard barbecue. When you find a professional on Angie to make your backyard the best around. Connect with skilled professionals to get all your home projects done well. Inside to outside. Repairs to renovations. Get started on the Angie app or visit Angie.com today. You can do this when you Angie that. Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Oh, tonight we got them. Goldie, the Sulk, and J.C. And it starts right now. Oh, welcome back, uh, JC. Wait a minute, I forgot. What are what are we listening to again? Can someone tell us? Hi, I'm Mila Kunis, and you're listening to JC Goldie and Valedictorian Alex Sulkin on a typical disgusting display. That's right. Thank you, Mila. I had forgotten kind of the juxtaposition of the players here. Is that real or was that AI? It sounded like AI. First joke of the day. First joke of the day. Hello, this is Mila Kunis. Someone emailed me and asked if you were confusing salutatorian, which is a ceremonial position that sometimes is elected, with valedictorian, which is an earned position. Which no, it doesn't. Seem uh, and you can it. you can tell this person, not you, I'm sure, that uh, vale comes from the Latin uh, to say goodbye, and so that's what I was. It doesn't come from the Latin of best grades in the class. It's someone. Oh, so literally that, everyone else is wrong ever. <laughs> yeah, and like, you're I'd the one so. person who's got yeah. me right. Uh, yep, yep. Okay. No, not salut- salutatorian. Not that loser. <laughs> and then does Disney you ask, know? You just that, ask Will Willis. Does Disney know that you take people who are in your employment and then make them do non-work things <laughs> for no compensation? <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, Disney's really caring about that oh, right yeah. now. Well, well, what's know. happening? <laughs> it just oh, no, feels no, like you she, took an saying... employee, Mila, and you, <laughs> oh. and you made her do something that like isn't part of her job for no compensation. I don't know. The no. whole thing just feels like a human resources. It. Goldie, you got it all wrong. I just simply said, if you don't do this, we're going to stop writing Meg jokes. There's nothing untoward about any of this. Thank you, Mila, for giving us that small and clarifying asset. I appreciate it. But... Goldie, we got a we got a situation on our hands a this situation? week. I mean, we, God, I, I hate it when I'm right, and it's it happens so infrequently. <laughs> um, last week we started talking about how next week, like Carson, who had guest hosts, we have a guest host, and we asked Mr. Mike Scully if he would do that for us, and he generously agreed. He's hilarious. We yes. love him, but somehow 
Through some ridiculous fuck-up <laughs> on so many levels, Scully asked John Viner to be his co-host. With me. So that's already terrible. We've let the fox into the hen house. It's, you know, it's going to be a god-awful disaster. And JC, I apologize in advance for you having to deal with him because I know that's not going to be pleasant. But then I wake up this morning to a text from JC that says, Viner is asking Seth onto the podcast. And as Danny Smith might say anticipatorily, Seth? Yeah, that's Seth, our boss, Seth McFarlane, who, like, we never thought of that, John. Like, we never thought of that, Viner, to ask Seth McFarlane. We are calculating the best time to do it because you burn a chip when you ask (laughs) someone like that. Like, if you're working for Judd Apatow or, you know, or uh, Matt Groening, and you're going to wait till the perfect moment to ask them to do something for you. John just fucking wades into the pool and's like, hey, what about Seth on this show? <laughs> so I spent a lot of the morning untangling that disaster okay, in advance that was you. of the okay. show. Yeah. Okay. Well, we have differing opinions on this. Which oh, first, the, the perfect time to ask our boss is never. Right. Don't yeah. trouble your boss. And this is why maybe you and I are still at Family Guy, is I don't, I wouldn't ask my boss well, to do me a favor. I am there to do my boss favors. Yes. yes. That's and what we're an not, employee does. We're not as in disagreement as you think here, because I think wait for the perfect time or don't ask. And, and yeah. to, as proof well, of that- Well, after you lurched at Dana Walden across a table, I don't know what you're- <laughs> Lurch. So all I can control is my behavior. <laughs> right. don't, don't you dare. Dana Walden lives in the ether. Seth's just a guy. <laughs> well, my feeling is don't ask either of them. And if they want to do it, they would let us know, right. hey, I'm interested in this. And then, of course, they could do it. Much like but John I would never day. bother them. Right. Uh, yeah. But Viner's yeah, And then you said him. we're in trouble with this Viner thing. I disagree with that. You're in trouble. Why? Uh, I think I'm going to be kind of like Jack Reacher using a corpse of someone who was just shot to block the rest of the shots and get out of the room. Like wait, you're going to be. Why aren't you in trouble? Like, no one's going to get to me. They're, no, it's all going to be you. I, and by the way, I like what Viner's doing. I like the Joker. He's he's blowing it all up. <laughs> yeah, and I, yeah. And and you ask. This is you know funny. Uh, we, you've taken enough shots at him, and he's he's been mentioned enough that I I think for him to return fire is not unexpected, nor is it so wrongheaded. I think it's, he has every right to to try to blow up our world like the Joker. Yes, he. You know, he he's does. wearing a nurse's costume, and he's he's, <laughs> he's leisure, walking he's away from our hospital. We know. Yeah, his clicker doesn't work, thankfully. But <laughs> here's the thing: is like, yes, I agree with that. He has every right to do it if invited in to do it. Why would anyone invite him in? He was it? Like that's what my beef is with Scully, and a little bit with JC. Because people here. like this reaction that you're giving them, <laughs> which is they wanted to get under your skin, and now they're there, but yes. they're not under my skin because all my skin is dead. <laughs> <laughs> your dermis dead. <laughs> so oh I, none of this bothers me. I think it's all kind of amusing. I'm, and well, uh, see and how good you luck. feel let's, after the show. Fi- let's let's see them fill the hour 
Yeah. <laughs> right. Like, <laughs> yes. that's the ultimate test is... Uh, yeah. Oh, hour and a half, a, As you've said, everyone has a plan until they get punched in the face. Well... That's right. <laughs> once the recording starts, and we'll see if... Does, uh, does Seth MacFarlane show up? My guess is no. Maybe they should go out to Tom Cruise and you know, Paul McCartney <laughs> and, no, I want and Paul. Barack I want Obama, Michelle Sir Obama, Paul. Oprah. Just see. Let's see. <laughs> get around a nose and then, you know, circle back around and... and and see who you can get. Well, I'm not even the, sure they can get John Viner at this point. <laughs> <laughs> well, the, the thing is, and those are all great points, but the, the funny thing, and you know this, and I know this about Viner, is the second they do get punched in the mouth, that's mm. when Viner actually excels. But yeah, like when Viner is perfect. agitated and angry, there's no one funnier. Right. So well, but well, that, maybe, when maybe things Goldie. are going wrong for him. Yes. That's when he's the best. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But they may go wrong for him. He may he may be a, in for a rude awakening. And then I hope we'll he all, is, we'll all take then fire. It'll, then it'll, uh, like there's no one wants to watch things go right for Viner. <laughs> and, and Goldie, I, how dare you disassociate yourself from the we? The very first podcast we ever had was you doing a 10-minute monologue about Viner and what an asshole he was for putting that book of yours I in the free library. I never said asshole. No, you said, didn't, but that was I, the subtext. I, Subtext. It wasn't the. It was just you, something that you happened. You opened the show, <laughs> leading with a with a big insulting story. Of it. Well, I mean, it was an insult to you, but sure. you, you aired yeah. it out. Yeah. So uh, you're not. You're going to catch some fire. Well, Believe me. His, you know, and maybe I'll leave this podcast in a free podcast library. <laughs> yeah. when he records it. That that's anyone that's can every take. podcast library apparently yeah. based on the checks we get. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, all that said, I want to urge our fans to A, listen, because it's going to be something. And B, <laughs> please write them a question if you want to know something about either of us or the way they feel about what how we're, we're doing on the show or anything you want to ask Mike Scully or John Viner. Please send them an email to a typical disgusting display at gmail.com. And I'm JC, still going to be on the show. So I'll re- if you send in the emails, I will read them. Maybe unbeknownst to John and Scully. I mean, but just... you guys are going to be so busy interviewing Clint Eastwood, like, you are going to have time to do this. <laughs> then Don Siegel turns to me on the set of Dirty Harry and says, um, we need Dana Gould to do a Clint Eastwood. Maybe we'll ask him later. We got Dana Gould coming up uh, in a minute. But anyway, we're bracing for impact of uh, the, the asteroid of John Viner, which <laughs> will be next be week. It'll be fun. I'm yeah. welcoming the impact. I'm out of the bridge. <laughs> I know. Goldie, whenever I see those movies where an asteroid hits the earth and there's like a giant wave that comes in, I just picture you on the beach just embracing it. Uh, like... <laughs> well, I did want to just bring up briefly, because you've, you've now brought up asteroids, spaceships. Yeah. So, uh, I don't, you know, there's been in the last two years this, this surge of alien and ufo sightings and actual investigations the government is now officially acknowledging that there are objects of interest that are unidentified and there was a report and i never know which british newspapers or websites are reliable and which are you know false flags so there's it's one called the independent i believe i found the link off the drudge report which itself is you know questionable it's fine but whatever So the report was that there is a team, an official U.S. team of investigators who go in to, they have crashed alien uh, craft. Yes. And they've they've recovered them. And that they go in and they recover the wreckage. And that one of these things was 
uh, about 30 feet in diameter on the outside. Yeah. And then the investigator went in and said it was football fields big and disorienting, that, that it was somehow compressing space and time on the outside, and the inside wow. was huge. And he felt so disoriented, he barfed, Whoa. and then he, like, staggered out. <sighs> but Well, uh, this is, we gotta, we gotta study that. Well, how is this not all we hear about? Like, the news every day is just full of, like, you know, Trump is now under, and they found this. And it's like, if there's another... <laughs> race yeah. space that's just kind of hovering and they make themselves known anything we care about is now irrelevant like done a- a- yeah. everything about our I lives know. that we hold so sacred our our jobs and and money it's like look i have all these this u.s currency that i can spend to get these up it's like throw it out the window oh i'm very you know jesus they, jesus is alive there's no that, that was, that's <laughs> yeah. like well, one, one tiny thing here they don't know about it they're in control and so like we're Jesus on the cusp. Is a lie. Like we're on the cusp of everything we know being blown apart. But what's hilarious to me is I I'm starting to believe that there are these things that have come to earth. These non-human yeah. things that are flying around. But that they they flew countless light years, countless trillions of miles to be here. And then they get here and they're looking down and they're just going like we flew so far. And then they're going. Yeah, I don't know. Look at it, though. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, they're like, when we go to a restaurant, you're on a road trip, and you want to eat, and there's a restaurant, and you go, I'm really hungry. And then you look in, and you go, I yeah. don't know. Should we just go to the gas station and get some almonds, though? <laughs> yeah. This is just going to be, like, a lot of work for not much. They're looking at our planet and going, yeah. Maybe. <laughs> oh, I'm, I'm so okay. intrigued by this. Oh. Thir- 30 square feet and inside it's yeah. football fields. Like, First that of all, could, that would solve the housing These aliens crisis. are going to need oh, yeah. a human who turns on the human race to help them. And I'm volunteering already for, like, <laughs> okay, here's who these people are and get, you know, get rid of this and, uh, and like, march them in and, like, steal the ocean, take the water. Yeah. yeah. Uh, let's, and then and just let's take go. me back. <laughs> We're cool, right? <laughs> yes. Well, maybe we make this podcast the official podcast of our alien overlords. Well, yeah, I go. know. I know that radio waves and such they go out into space, and yeah. hopefully they're capturing everything, and they capture that like there are these two, three people, and I don't know if yes. JC's volunteering. Yeah, she's, she's, she's in. in. She's okay, in. so she's in. Okay, so yeah. there, are three, there are three people, <laughs> and they've agreed to sort of sell out the entire human race and <laughs> go back to whatever alien planet there is in the in the you know compressed space-time spaceship <laughs> throwing up the whole time throwing and barfing <laughs> yeah. that's the one consequence yeah you have to be constantly throwing up <laughs> but are you excited about this or is this yes. just something yeah no i'm i'm incredibly excited and you know listen ever since the day i was slightly too large and carried out of et i've been fascinated <laughs> yeah by this whole thing and i and, and honestly close encounters is a great movie too that i was yeah. a little little too young to yeah. enjoy the first time around but when i saw it it's it's fascinating and it feels well, it's, credible it's spielberg shows us yes if you believe enough in aliens then you can be a terrible parent and ditch your family and <laughs> still be a redeemable human being i was waiting for an actual lesson there oh that serves me right serves just, me right. you know you just go oh I'm, I'm really thinking about this so i'm forming my food into it like <laughs> you can think about it and just eat you don't have to like Build your food into a model of it to go, no, but I really think. Okay. (laughs) But had you believed before you had read this article? Had you been curious and sort of believed anyway? Well, it's something that I've been fascinated 
with since I was a teenager. And that statistically, you know, when you hear things like there are as many planets in our galaxy as there are grains of sand on the entire Earth, and then there are as many galaxies as there are grains. So you go, yes, one of these has some life, at least. Probably many of them have infinite, life. Infinite, infinite numbers. That, and that if there is life, an infinite form of life, that some have probably progressed to the point where they're able to navigate whatever this universe is. Yeah. But then you you just wonder, like, why would it be worth even we're so unadvanced? I'm yeah. Sure to them. When I oh, was yeah. living in San Francisco in the early 90s, I had a roommate. His name was James Fox. I also grew up with him. He and his girlfriend went to Vegas to um, Area 51. Yeah. Uh-huh. And brought this little camera with them. And um, they'd just taken some ecstasy. Oof. And they were filming. And all of a sudden, two um, you know, figures, light figures, start moving around in unnatural ways that we're familiar with. So he came wow. back very, very excited and thrilled about this. And it became his life obsession. And he's world-renowned for studying UFOs and... Like you can look him up, James Fox. He's he's like he's done documentaries and stuff. But it was like while he was living with us. That's so cool. <laughs> yeah. Well he, so. well, he must be going apy now with this new news. And Goldie, <laughs> do you remember where the the spaceship was in this report? Yeah, I I don't. It was in. It must have been the U.S. because a U.S. team was recovering it. But oh, there right. is, you know, in Western Mass, a site with a plaque from the governor certifying that. In the in the '60s, a craft mm. landed there, and that the government wants people to know they believe that this happened. Yes, it's, yeah. it's it was an real. Un- there's an unsolved mysteries. mysteries. Yeah, yeah, it's a great that's, unsolved mystery. <laughs> You're right, yeah. and the, that's in their unsolved mysteries reboot. Right, that's one of the yeah, new ones. It's oh. in the second season. I want to say. Yeah. I've watched it a few times. Yeah, well, yeah. And <laughs> I've been to the bridge and the site. Oh, and cool. Everything. I mean, there are oh. interviews with with astronauts that assure that there is there are other life forms out, out yeah. there when they've been yeah. up out in space so yeah mm. can't well, wait it sounds like we got to the bottom of that, <laughs> that <was quick. laughs> delve into the shadows of the mind with sleeping dogs a gripping murder mystery starring academy award winner russell crowe now available on digital crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall uncovering secrets from his past he learns a chilling truth it's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. And now let's get to the bottom of our show with a very special guest star. Let's get in to Johnny Joe. Whoa, bro. Hollywood. Here's special guest Johnny. Yes, sir. Special guest Johnny's. We're so excited to have the hilarious writer, comedian, actor Dana Gould here today. And he's generously agreed to join us 
for Johnny jokes. Ooh. So he's going to be last because his Johnny is excellent. <laughs> All right. For a less excellent Johnny. Here we go. Uh, after a brief and tumultuous reign, CNN CEO Chris Licht is stepping down. The news network sent out a press release stating simply, Licht, he split. <laughs> Not as good. Johnny. Uh, the origins of masturbation have been traced back to primates who lived 40 million years ago. Yeah. Uh, scientists realized the connection when they found a monkey buried next to a box of Puffs Plus. <laughs> <laughs> Puffs Plus. Thank you, Goldie. Uh, uh, is alloying his dick. Allow <laughs> it to happen. All right. Well, maybe you heard this. Some sad news. That first Did joke was lickety shit, though. <laughs> <laughs> you had to. You gave a compliment, so you had to take it away. Okay. Yeah. Here we go. Uh, JC, get that finger ready, because yeah. sadly, Ted Kaczynski, the man more famously known as the Unabomber, died in prison last week. He gone! Yeah, he gone. Uh, family members say the funeral will be ticking casket. Yeah. <laughs> ticking casket. Nice. Oh, my gosh. And I really didn't write enough this week, because this is the one I'm closing with. <laughs> A woman in the UK... Oh, no. Who took, <laughs> who took the abortion pill after the term limit had expired has been sentenced to 28 months in prison. Uh, well, at least she doesn't have a little baby at home. Oh, jeez. <laughs> I like it. That Terrible. Good. All right, Johnny, good. Johnny Dose, take it away. All right, well, President Biden had a root canal today. Uh the dentist offered him anesthesia, and Biden said, Nah, no thanks. I'll just fall, hit my head, and conk myself out. <laughs> okay. Well, former President Donald Trump has been indicted for possessing classified information. It's the closest Trump will ever come to having class. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Here, here. Had to get him. Here, here. Yeah. Okay. Well, this week... Smoke from Canadian wildfires made the air in New York City totally unbreathable. Uh, the smoke was so thick. How thick was it? The smoke was so thick, it forced millions of New Yorkers to pee indoors. <laughs> <laughs> okay, and I will end on, I'm going to end on a norm. All right. Okay, Norm MacDonald. According to an NBC report, Deep fake porn is thriving on Twitter. In related news, I'm now on Twitter at <laughs> Deep Fake Norm. <laughs> All right, and finally, our special guest Johnny, take it away. Well, it's uh, it's summertime uh, here in Los Angeles. You wouldn't know it. Uh, the weather doesn't really change. In fact, normally I, I know when it's autumn, when I take the family down to Starbucks and watch the cups change colors. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> oh, that's so good. Christmas season comes earlier and earlier, and now by the end of October, the gals on Pornhub are wearing Santa hats. <laughs> <laughs> yes. You know, uh, 3D printers are in the news. They say that uh, they say that uh, it'll be a 
huge boon to the medical uh, industry that they'll one day be able to create a replica of a human being that is undetectable to the human eye with a 3D printer. But until then, they all come out looking like Ron DeSantis. (laughs) 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 Tomorrow night, we have a big show tomorrow. The show's good tonight, but tomorrow night we have a very big show. Tomorrow night, Marty Allen will be here to read the Federalist Papers with a thick Chinese accent. (laughs) (laughs) And this is from Aaron Lee, one of our home viewers who (laughs) submitted one. Aaron Lee, young Aaron Lee from Dubuque, Iowa. (laughs) Tomorrow night, Ted Kaczynski, John Kaczynski, and Jane Krakowski will all be here (laughs) to sing from their new new musical, The Other KKK. That's very exciting. Hang on, I have a, I have a prediction from the Far East. This is this is a Karnak one for the viewer, listeners at home. I'm holding an envelope to my head. Nice. Sixty minutes. Sixty minutes. Sixty. How long does it take Joe Biden to pee? Skinnamarink. 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 It's a new movie. What's the little piece left over after a bris? <laughs> one more. It's the last one. Last one. Predictions left on Funkin' Wagnall's front porch. Sealed mason jar. I've not seen these. Elon Musk. Elon Musk. Elon Musk. What is the little piece left over after a bris? Skinnamarink. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. What a treasure. (laughs) You, sir, are a regional treasure. That was fantastic. God, you know what? For those of you listening, I mean, we, Goldie and I got schooled in the art of actually trying to portray Carson right there because Dana is one of the best. The, the references, what was the, the, the mason jars? It was sealed in a mason jar. Sealed what? in a mason jar on Funkin Wagnall's front porch. Funkin well, I, I, it's not fair because I actually research it because I have a show yes. <laughs> that, is, that is literally a copy of the Tonight Show. I right. know, but, you, but you've been doing Carson forever. Like, yeah, you've they're, fun, they're, Carson they're, forever. they're fun to do. And, and you just like, I just write a ton of them just because yeah. they make me laugh. Uh, tomorrow night, Captain Kangaroo will be here to talk about the action he saw in the rice paddies of Nam. You know? <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> I love it. Oh, so you got the soft intro up top, and uh, uh, Dana Gould is here with us today. He's written for so many shows, notably The Simpsons, uh, and we recently worked with you on the uh, Ted. Ted Show, which is which coming is out later lovely. this summer. Yeah, uh, Dana's is in. <laughs> Whoa! I think I'm here to announce coming out. <laughs> I don't know. I think it's coming out later this year, not this summer. I think I got it wrong. Yeah. All you peacock subscribers, get ready. <laughs> oh. somebody, somebody said it was it was one of those things like, well, I didn't think of that. I suck. Uh, <laughs> HBO Max is now Max. Your move, peacock. Yeah. yeah I <laughs> yes. saw that online. Saw that. that was yeah. funny. So funny. Uh, anyway, Dana, you're a hilarious writer, comedian, performer. Thank and you. Uh, we've known you for a High long time. We you. appreciate you being on here. But those Johnnies, they're, they're just spectacular. I know. Let's talk about that up top. This is for Dr. Zayas uh, on YouTube, right? <laughs> yeah, like, Dr. Dr. Z. Hanging with Dr. Z. So can I just, I, I wanted to interject before we get into hanging with Dr. Z. So I saw the movie Planet of the Apes and said, okay. And then I never thought about it oh again. I love Planet <laughs> So what happened to you? I have no idea. I saw it when I was a kid. Um, I, I became aware of it like in the, like probably around, I was four years old when it came out. So not long after that, five, six, I just became aware of it. I saw the commercials on TV and there was something about it that absolutely galvanized me. And I, I, I cannot explain it. Uh, it's the way some people are into, you know, they just are obsessed with baseball. There is something about it. <laughs> my my mother uh, tells me that, I, you know, I was the fifth of six kids and I was very kind of didn't make a big deal of myself, I kind right. of faded into the woodwork. <laughs> and uh, my mother said when I was six, uh, there was a commercial for Escape from the Planet of the Apes that was being released in the theater and that I climbed up on the coffee table and looked my father in the eye, which I never did, and said, you're taking me to that! Wow. <laughs> and they did. They took me to see it at the drive-in. Um, oh, so, that's awesome. uh, so, yeah, I can't explain it. I did, because I had a, a lot of older brothers that were bigger than me and athletes, I had a therapist once go, well, maybe it was because you felt like the world was topsy-turvy and your world was topsy-turvy too. Like, uh, maybe. Maybe it's just like gorillas in leather jackets on a horse is our pool. You know? I like when therapists take a big shot like that and miss. Take yeah. a big swing. Yeah, it's funny. Often. It's fun to sit back and just go, nah, that was like not even close. Dr. Feldman looks like he hurt a shoulder on that missed swing there. The trainer's coming over. Um, there was a... I'm mutilating a joke, and I uh, the comedian who I'm telling it is probably glad I can't remember his name because I'm mutilating a joke. <laughs> but it was like I, I had a therapist who actually worked at a carnival, and uh, his office was near a carnival. And uh, one day after uh, after a particularly gut wrenching session, he said, "You know, you did a lot of really good work today. Take any animal off the top shelf." <laughs> <laughs> That's good. So, Planet of the Apes for me, and I, maybe this is it's a combination of the striking imagery the apes themselves the yeah. music the music at least yes. of that first yeah. movie yeah absolutely yeah unbelievable and charlton heston in that yeah. first movie like he's a he's a big star 
He yeah. go yeah. like like Ted Knight. They both go at one hundred and ten percent on their reactors. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> there, here was a note never said on that on that set. Want to do a big one just to see? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, more teeth, Chuck. More teeth. Yeah, I know. Our, our friend Chris DeLuca has a funny joke about Planet of the Apes and the ending. And wait, so this whole thing took place on Liberty Island? <laughs> <laughs> I always thought if it would be like, if he was an idiot, I was like, my God, they had a statue of Liberty too. <laughs> that, was, that was probably Charlton's thoughts when he read the script. <laughs> like, wow. This is a funky ending. Yeah. Uh, I don't know why Heston is uh, Carson in my world. <laughs> They're very similar. Yeah, this is this is the long way of saying you have this hilarious talk show where you play the host and you're in full Dr. Zaius from Planet of the Apes costume. Yeah. And you're you're interviewing somebody and it it's hilarious. I if you have not checked that out and you're listening right now, you should check that out because it's so funny. What's yeah. it called, Doctor Z? Hanging, hanging with Doc, hanging and with Doctor Z. Is this something you're doing mostly for the money? <laughs> <laughs> mostly for the money, other people make off it that aren't me. No, it's 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 a financial wrecking ball right. but, uh, <laughs> money pit <laughs> but uh since i'm really hoping for season two of ted <laughs> but have you gotten to meet like the people involved with the movie through this and and are you consulted on the on the remakes are they do they ever say this guy's a great writer and a super fan we should ask him what he the, thinks the, the remakes they couldn't care less but i but i do know like this weekend i mean the phone I'll, I'll give you the 30 second version. When we were on the Ben, when I was on the Ben Stiller show, I had an idea for a sketch, which was Planet of the Apes, the musical, because I wanted to do the makeup. That's the only reason <laughs> I did the sketch. Right. Um, uh, and it was going to be like a commercial, like the way, like when Rent comes to town, it's like at the Pantages, it's yeah. Rent and it's little clips. <laughs> and then because of the budget, we, you needed to do two sketches per sketch. So I thought that, well, the second sketch in the second act will be Dr. Zayas is Mark Twain tonight <laughs> and then i can do we can do two for one and we got canceled before we could do it so oh. we we didn't get to do it but i always had the idea then at the simpsons yeah, uh nice. the idea came up i believe the idea originated i had nothing to do with me whatsoever i believe it originated with either david x cohen or steve tompkins uh, Bill and Josh were also involved in that. I know right. that uh, I know that Steve Tompkins came up with the title "Stop the Planet of the Apes." I want to get off. And David <laughs> Cohen wrote, "I hate every ape I see, from chimpanzee to chimpanzee." I know that's such a great line. That's great. No, it's David Cohen. Yeah. I mean, yeah, come on. Um, so yeah, I had nothing to do with that. A hundred years later, like twenty years later, I was talking to John Hodgman, and he had an internet contest about somebody doing, uh, Dr. Zayas doing Mark Twain tonight because he found a photo of Maurice Evans reading Mark Twain's biography on the set in the makeup. <laughs> right. And I just said to him, I was like, oh, that's so funny. I wrote that as a sketch 20 years ago yeah. uh, wow. and never got to do it. And he said, do you want to do it at my show at Sketchfest? Oh, wow. And my first thought was, no, <laughs> that sounds like a lot of work. <laughs> but then I, I know a lot of makeup people because I'm really into the sort of, you know, horror movie world. And, and That's cool, yeah. I've written a couple and, and I'm friends with a lot of those people. So I thought, well, I know I can do the makeup. And then I thought, when I walk out, it'll be a laugh. And then once they realize that it's not a crappy mask, that it's the whole deal. 
Yeah. I'll get a much bigger laugh. <laughs> yeah. And I really got greedy. Um, and so we did it. And it's on YouTube. If you go Dr. Zayas Mark Twain, you'll find it. And oh, uh, and it was exactly what I thought. It was, you know, it came, I, I came out, laugh, and then I started talking. And there's this giant crazy laugh. Oh, that's so cool. And, oh. and then that went on YouTube. And then, like, Joel Hodgson said, hey, would you do that for the Mystery Science Theater telethon? And I called up the... Because when I first wanted to do it, I had to call my friend Greg Nicotero at KNBFX, and they do like The Walking Dead and every Quentin Tarantino right. film, like they're huge. And I said, uh, this was the conversation. I was like, hey, is there anybody over there that I can uh, fly up to San Francisco to do a movie quality Dr. Zayas makeup on me? Hang on a minute. <laughs> Yeah, Andy will do it. <laughs> <laughs> That's so easy. It's great. These people, it's like their life. They're yeah, like so they do, excited yeah. to do that. Yeah. And, oh. um, and, the, and the guy who was Andy Schoenberg, who's my makeup guy that, that, that does it all the time. And so then I did it again for Joel Hodgson. And then Turner Classic Movies was doing it as a Fathom event, which is when they show an old movie in a series of theaters at the same time across the country. Oh, awesome. right. And they interview somebody from the movie. And Ben Mankiewicz, who's actually very funny and really gets it, yeah. uh, said... He saw it and he said, would you do that Dr. Zayas thing? We can interview you as Dr. Zayas. Oh, so great. And I said, yeah. But then I had to, for the first time, come up with what the character was. Right. It was like a full interview. Yeah, because right. he and so he wasn't it, reading Mark Twain anymore. Right, right. right. <laughs> so what it what it was is just like it was just when Orson Welles was on Merv Griffin. He's just like <laughs> always just dropping names, and right. you know, and he was an ape. Planet of the Apes was a movie he made, one of many. Yeah. And, uh, it was like uh, when you know when I first I was. I was doing with Six You Get Egg Roll at the Pasadena Playhouse with a young Lindsay Wagner, who's a delight. Uh, yeah. yeah, one of those And Artie people. Jacobs calls me about this film called Planet of the Apes. And you know, you know what I did? never say? Money is the one gift no one gives back. So I took the gig. I took the gig. You know, and then, and then it just kind of grew into this. That's and great. now must... in a, his Instagram is like his Zelig stories of Hollywood, like... It was the first day of shooting, and uh, I woke up on Russ Tamblin's roof wearing Barbara Feldon's hat, and it's not a good way to start a movie. (laughs) (laughs) That must be so fun for you to, like, really dig into those, like, Hollywoodisms, those little throwaway phrases that that kind of character uses. Yeah, and it's 100%. And the Instagram things are really funny because you get to write them. And Pete Aronson, who's... uh, a writer and an and exec uh, writes a lot of them. Uh, Pete Aronson, Rob Cohen, and I kind of are the big three. And then we have Mike, my really like Mike Rowe, Aaron Lee, who you know, uh, a guy yeah. named Ryan, Ryan uh, Nunnerly, uh, Tammy Golden. Like we have people that that help out. So it's 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 not just me. There's a lot of people. Uh, That's awesome. That keep it up to that level. But it's. I mean, when you. But it's all like a reflection of when you probably thought about going into show business and when you even moved here, what you wanted the business to be versus now where yes. we exist in some like we're like a subsidiary of tech companies and there's no glamour or anything. nothing interesting ever happens yeah i love a hundred percent a hundred percent and uh, yeah i love that world where i guess the person like peter lawford like peter lawford in 1969 you know just knew everybody 
he goes, you know, he's he's going to have brunch with Keith Moon and Malibu, and then he's, you know, and then he's he's going to go meet Joan Bennett. You know, it's just like everybody knows. Yeah, there was a there was a line in the first one where I go like, you know, uh, it was like, you know, the Forbidden Zone was the big bugaboo in the movie. You want to know the real Forbidden Zone? Being in escrow with Alan Alda. My God, how many times can you inspect a chimney? <laughs> you know, oh it's just it, like, it, you're like a pig and shit coming up with that. Stuff. I am, but the <laughs> bay. I also know that the I I showed it to John Landis, who I I know, and his response was really funny. We just all caps, not obscure enough. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, you got, you got Landis trolling you on that. Yeah, I, I have to remember that one. Oh yeah, it's like, yeah so, I've made no, I make no, Andy Kindler said it, uh, my target audience is men my age who are me. <laughs> <laughs> I, I make so no, funny. I make no, uh, I, I'm tired of, I'm the anti-panderer. Right. <laughs> so how, how many uh, episodes do you have? Uh, now and what are your plans we, for we just more? finished the third we just finished the third season wow. and we do about eight so 24 probably That's they're about awesome. 10 minutes long but we have like a band and a set and and this year we yeah. have a live we have a live we have a real set we didn't do it virtually um, we oh, had nice. some live guests it started because of covid rob cohen we were trying to do something during covid and we were going to do a a parody of that Henry Miller is alive and awake documentary with Dr. Z talking about being in the business. And then <laughs> Rob, Rob said like, why don't we just do a talk show like space ghost? Cause they can be on a monitor and yeah. it'll be COVID safe. And That's thousands awesome. of dollars later. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, th so that, that's how it started. I would, you know, I would love to get to do it like Fernwood tonight. Like I think it could be a really funny half hour comedy show. It's weekly yeah. or even nightly i know we I could do it that way on a streamer and but thanks to seth mcfarlane we have permission from disney to do it on a disney owned streamer and i think if i just wait a year that'll be all of them right. um, <laughs> what did seth have to do with that he made a phone call what happened there yeah because uh, he loves the show, he was he's yes. he's been very generous. With no, his, he showed uh, it to me. Like he was, oh, he introduced yeah. me to it. Yeah, That's yeah. Cool. And and he said, Are you, "Have you taken this anywhere?" And I said, "Well, here's the thing: if I ask permission and they say no, I can't do it. Mm. But right now, as long as I'm not making any money, which I assure you, I'm not. <laughs> um, I'm uh, clear about that. Yeah. Um, it's like a Star Wars fan film, and they just kind of like let it go." Uh, yeah. And he said, like, well, can I ask? And I was like, yeah. And and so basically cool. said, yeah, you can do. And they said, you can do this, this, this. You know, it'd be great to to uh, once this season is done uh, to kind of take it as a package and maybe it, uh, to go out with it and try to get somebody interested in it. They said it was very funny because the Disney said, well, we have to ask Fox Film because they're still doing eight movies. They have a new one coming out right. called kingdom on the planet of the apes hmm. and 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 they were like i'm assuming that they thought they were going to go no way right. right uh they were just the opposite they said yes please do it please we love <laughs> because it has nothing to do with what they're doing they're in a whole other kind of universe with the andy circus stuff yeah. yeah but it's funny it keeps it in the zeitgeist it makes it hip supposedly yeah. um, <laughs> certainly to that audience uh and gives them a way to promote it now they're, they're all for it it's just getting somebody 
getting a an exec at a streamer who's over 40 yes. to go, oh, I remember this. This might be funny. You yeah. don't need to know Planet of the Apes to think the show's funny. No, right. not at all. And yeah. but by the way, good for good for Fox Film. I mean, because yeah, usually, right. usually you hear that you hear that story in the other version. You know, we're in a different right. era, oh. though. I I don't know if you remember. This is probably about six or seven years ago that there was an audio house that had the it had the picture locks of a number of shows and they got stolen, and then they attempted to blackmail people saying like send us 50 bitcoins or we'll so anyway the show i had on fox that was not doing well making history we get this ransom note like i've seized the making history finale and i'm prepared to release it on youtube unless you give me 50 bitcoins and we just wrote back like if you can get anyone to watch this on any platform for any reason we'll give you we will we will give you the money And I think that's probably their attitude is just it, it can yeah. only help. Yeah. Yeah. Awareness. Any rising tide lifts all eggs. <laughs> that's exactly what I was going to say. <laughs> A rising tide lifts all boats. <laughs> um, so let's so let's stop talking about Planet of the Apes. Please. No. Thank, thank no, God. I talk more kidding. about it. Thank you, the Lord. You got what you wanted, Tiger. How does it taste? <laughs> well, in the movie, he's the leader of the expedition. Yes, and he's giving everybody which, which shit. Which means he's in charge of morale. Yes. And he's just <laughs> ragging everybody. Yes. It would be like in Star Trek, like, Captain, we're surrounded by Klingons. Good, we deserve to die. <laughs> <laughs> no, you're the captain. Yeah. Charge. My yeah. favorite, uh, so when I was a kid, I lived near the drive-in, and I saw the movies at the drive-in, and then in high school, I worked at that drive-in. Oh, it's the drive-in in the Adam Sandler movie, uh, Hubie Halloween. Oh, uh, the drive-in. That they... mo- is that a real movie? Yeah, he made a, a. I think it's called Hubie Halloween, and oh, he, Hubie the Halloween. one point, whatever the name of it is, I didn't yeah. say. But I know that the drive-in that they go to is the drive-in that I worked at in high school, and it's still going. Uh, the the <laughs> awesome. Menden, the Menden twin. You can go there tonight, Alex. I'm just getting. Um, I'm just getting your joke, Hubie Halloween. <laughs> That's not what it was called. No, <laughs> no. It, was, it was like eight lonely nights or eight. Lonely... No, no, I thought no, it was like Hubie, Hubie, Hallow- Hubie, Hubie Halloween. Halloween. It's on Hubie Netflix. I thought he was saying Hebe Halloween for that like eight nights of Hanukkah movie. (laughs) No, I'm not that clever. I'm not that clever. And just how Um, you casually threw it in, I was like, oh my God. Okay, good. I'm glad I'm wrong. Yeah, I'm not that good. Uh, Long story longer. So when the new ones came out, I would go to the drive-in. There's a drive-in here that I love that I go to. And I made my kids go. (laughs) And then I was showing them the original one the next day and I get to, I get, you know, they lasted like 11 minutes and then they're like, please, can we leave? Um, but, but the scene where the ship is sinking in the lake, my daughter, who was like seven or eight years old, went, Dad, their clothes are in there. <laughs> what are like to do move to do dvd commentary with kids like five ten year olds watching that's the departed <laughs> yeah. it is a great idea that's i great. like spaghetti <laughs> that's a fantastic idea i know yeah. so so you mentioned so this is what you know it's taking up a lot of your time and energies right now but it's, yeah. it's so funny and well worth it so let's go back because you you talked about you're the fifth of six kids and and like Goldie and I, you grew up in the uh, Metro West area. Tell us a little yeah. bit. You, you, what was the name of your uh, town? Hopedale. Hopedale. That's in the, is, uh, uh, Worcester area, isn't it? It is. It's in Worcester County, and uh, it's uh, s- uh, still there. 
uh, home of uh, home to me and Joe Perry from Aerosmith. Yeah, oh. baby. Uh, his mom was a gym teacher at the high school, Mrs. Ooh. Perry. Mrs. Perry, the gym teacher. <laughs> and awesome. uh, it's a little little mill town, super small. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I I uh, I grew up there. I went to UMass, and uh, you know the whole the, the whole, whole deal. Yards. Can I do a quick yeah. impression of <laughs> Mrs. Perry, the gym teacher? Run this way, run this way, run this way, run this way. Anyway, go ahead. Suppose, now, do you know the story of that song? No, no. What he, um, he was. No, this is great. I get to drop a name and brag. This awesome. is great. <laughs> I am an incredibly fortunate person, and I got to work with Mel Brooks for a, 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 a good stretch of time. Wow. Uh, 2019. And uh, Steven Tyler. So prime Brooks. <laughs> yeah, exactly. He was great, though. I mean, we I'm I worked sure. with him for like a year every day. And like, Amazing. he's great. I can't say enough good about him. And He's yelled. He's yelled at me like you know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, he was he was yelling. Actually, to be completely honest, he was yelling at his oldest son, th- but yelling at me, saying what he wants to say to his oldest son. <laughs> right. Yes. Cool. Yeah. Not Max from the first from the first marriage. Yeah. Yeah. Projective interjection. Yeah. And so, uh, but I've seen him mad. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but he said that Steven Tyler wrote that song. Because of young Frankenstein. And like, walk this way. Because oh, oh. he goes, they wanted to meet him. He goes, I get a call. Steven Tyler. I, I, I don't know who it is. I, you know, like, I know Paul McCartney. I don't know who. Uh, so he comes in. You know, he looks, whatever he looks like. And uh, we just talk and talk. And then I think we're done. No, we're talking some more. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, that's unbelievable. That is that a that's a true story then that Steven Tyler got walked this way from the joke. That's what I was told. Well, it's it's very funny to have to picture explaining Aerosmith to Mel Brooks before the internet. Like you wouldn't have any screens or tools to really show him what it was. Yeah, you know what's interesting about Mel is that he doesn't wear glasses. But he has a giant Sherlock Holmes magnifying glass. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Never um, liked glasses. That's uh, that's hilarious. Okay, so you're growing up small mill town, yeah. just outside of Worcester. And you're and, from? Uh, I'm from I'm from Weston. Okay. Weston, Goldie yes. is from Shot Heard Round the World. Right. Um, and JC parts unknown. Yeah. Sure. I'm from Marin County. My girl. Where in Marin? Mill Valley. Sure. I grew up. In I used to live Valley. in the city. Oh, nice. Yeah. Bear. I used yeah. to Hello. substitute DJ on Live 105. What? Come on. Come Whoa. on now. <laughs> give us, give us a ramp up to Sister Golden Hair. <laughs> <laughs> no, Live 105 was 360 degrees of modern rock. Everything modern, from was... Morrissey to the Smiths. That was yeah. one of my favorite stations. <laughs> everything <laughs> from Morrissey to the Smiths. <laughs> <laughs> so, so Morrissey and the Smiths. <laughs> Love it. And everything just... in between. <laughs> I was just telling, I think it was last week where I was saying um, the uh, soft rock station, soft and warm, the yeah. quiet storm, oh. KBLX. Do you remember that? 
<laughs> yeah, and, and then uh, K-Fog was the classic rock station. Yes. Oh. K-Fog, the music that killed Bill Graham. <laughs> <laughs> he lived in Mill Valley. He did. I, loved, I loved growing up Boston area radio. I thought it was really good, and I miss it now. Like, you don't... WCOZ? WFNX, I, I, w... know, I wasn't quite I as cool. Know. I listened to like ZLX and BCN and BCN was in, yeah. And 103.3 WHTT. That was like 80s hits. Did I... you have COZ? COZ was the classic, was the heavy metal station. Like, oh, that doesn't that seem like that Alex. Yeah. By I'm our old, time, it was AAF old, and BCN. Like... Yeah, yeah, AAF. Yeah, WAAF, the Rock and Roll Air Force. <laughs> I, uh, I, my first like comedy was I would call into WKPE Cape 104 and I would do these voices and they would put me on. Oh like my God. I would Joe Rossetti. Like, I don't remember who the DJ was, but I was like, "Hey man, I want to hear some Jimi Hendrix. <laughs> want to hear it really bad. I want to hear Hey Joe. I shot my old lady too. Can you put on Hey Joe?" And they'd be oh like, "All right, yeah, call me." That's amazing. You, you sound like the, the the muttering animated character in like the Hudson Brothers. <laughs> yeah. No, I just was bored. I would dial it's in. It's so and they good. Would, they would put me on. Yeah. I love learning these things. Yeah, Dana. Uh, yeah, any, I think any, that was Hudson Brothers, any Hudson Brothers anecdotes that you could share with our fans? <laughs> Not obscure enough. <laughs> I, I, I I had to explain the band Bread to the Hudson Brothers. They no, but you have a um, <laughs> you don't have Hudson Brothers, but you have who are those two other guys that that the uh, the, oh, the Marty and Sid and Marty Croft. Oh, Sid and Marty uh, Croft. I know. Yeah, I worked with Sid. Yeah, and Marty. you have a good story uh, about one of them. I worked. Yeah, I worked with. I, I got a bunch. I wrote the Sigmund and the Sea Monster movie. Wow. Uh, which would have been really good. It was <laughs> it was a children's action comedy. It was Gremlins Ooh. with sea monsters. Oh, they I love it already. They didn't answer a phone and go shallow. They were animals, <laughs> and it was it would have been a really fun movie. And uh, it was you know when uh, Will Ferrell was making Land of the Lost, that you know was, the IP went through the roof. So the yeah. mm. and those two guys, Sid and Marty, I love them both. And they could not be more different uh, from each other. And I get, like, answering machine. I get a call at, like, 11, 11.45 at night. Dana, it said, <laughs> I just saw the princess and the frog. That's what Sigmund is, Dana. Oh, no. Children have to love him. <laughs> Remember, Dana, the script is everything. <laughs> The next message would be like six hours later. Hey, my brother Marty told me he called you. Whatever it was, just delete it. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> so that's a fertile ground for a great script right there. It's definitely not going to get torn apart. I can't, I can't tell you how much I hate. I, I don't have the words to tell you how much I hate my brother. <laughs> The excruciating cadence of the Marty message is true artistry where you're like, this person's making me wait for something very stupid, but like, there's no way by fast forwarding it. I'll miss it. I'll waste yeah. more time trying to like fast forward yeah. and get back. That said, he has a, he's 90 something. Wow. Uh, he lives in the palace. He's got his, like, he's an old hippie. He is a pure old hippie. Like, you know, has like a beautiful, like, three trillion dollar log cabin house in the palisades was wow. one of the original Jeez. investors in air one wow uh, and uh and Whoa. i did his podcast like two months ago like, I, I love 
Sid. I, I love them both. They're lovely people. But uh, to work with them was really a... And then, so, so then Land of the Lost comes out and doesn't do well. It had a it had a, uh, a hanging with Dr. Z level bandwidth, but a much Star Wars budget. Um, and uh, I just get this message on Monday at like 1 o'clock in the afternoon. Hey, Dane, it's Marty. You can stop typing. Will Ferrell fucked it up. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. Oh, you saw behind the curtain of, of your childhood there. It's so amazing. That's fantastic. So I, I wanted to back up to something you said earlier, which was you said when the you saw the commercial for Planet of the Apes, not to get back oh my to that God, specifically, back. but when you saw that and you, you looked your dad in the eye, you didn't ever do that. So was no. that the kind of house in which you grew up? Oh, yeah, yeah, like, yeah. It yeah. was yeah, very... It was- very loud yeah it was very uh kind of stuck in the 50s in a, in its ways <laughs> yeah yeah perfect yeah, yeah you know but but you know everybody i was the only person i knew that wasn't a crazy alcoholic <laughs> gun-toting lunatic Uh, everybody hunt everybody hunted everybody fished everybody drank it was you know it's massachusetts but it might as well be upstate new york you know it's it's that same kind of scotch irish yes uh mentality a lot of camo um (laughs) a lot of gun a lot of gun racks and um i just was this weird kid that had had no interest in any of it and obviously because it was 70s they and this is weird. I'm very good friends with Bobcat Goldthwait and, and Bobcat and I have the same exact thing. Like from that area, he's from Syracuse. I'm from Worcester, which is the same right. thing. Yeah. We were thought to be gay because we did not want to go hunting. Right. Wow. And God. they couldn't, and this is Massachusetts, uh, the liberal beacon, the, you know. It's a li- but you know, yeah, it's liberal till you get, you know, it's like, yes, Cambridge. Yeah. <laughs> you, go over, right. you go over to Boston and yeah. you're out of the liberal bubble. It's also <laughs> liberal till yeah. anything goes slightly not the way they wanted. Yeah. And like, Swat! <laughs> <laughs> Barry Crimmins used to have a really funny joke, the late, the late great Barry Crimmins, uh, about uh, guys you see driving around Cambridge on a bike and they have those like dental mirrors on yeah. their helmet <laughs> and he goes and the poor kids on a backpack leaning against their back going i can't believe my dad's an asshole <laughs> <laughs> oh so all right that's it's such a i mean what a what a strange way to grow up i'm sure feeling the way that you felt and being noticeably different from everyone going on the hunting trips yeah so yeah was that i mean that must have been part of the impetus for getting into comedy is that something that drove you at an early yeah age? there's yeah, there there were, you know, again, it's like six people in a three bedroom house in a duplex, you know, yeah. and uh, there were only a couple of things where everyone in the house would be quiet and mm. watch. Everybody would watch a baseball game or a football game or a hockey game, but they're screaming. Yeah. Oh, right. You know, right, right. Uh, screaming and kicking the TV. And, right. uh, you know, um, but the things and the things, you know, no need, no need for Freud here. The things that would keep them quiet are all the things that I love. Uh, the uh, any. Clint Eastwood movie, uh, the, the Andy Griffith show, uh, yeah. any James Bond movie. Um yeah. George Carlin uh, yeah. were all the things that everybody would like go, all right, shut up. Yeah. <laughs> and Andy Carlin was, there, was yeah. the one that I sort of 
really like I could do that. I think I like like from a very young age. Uh, I can do that. And and he got attention. Yeah. And uh, didn't have to fight. And it was perfect. It was perfect. It was yeah. it was perfect. And, and and that was really like I knew I wanted to be. I knew I wanted to do what I do from like fourteen on, thirteen, fourteen on. Well, then that's a that's kind of a blessing. Uh, that you did. Oh, hundred percent. Oh, were they like it, you're not funny? I mean, we're, you're just quiet. Oh, they didn't. Oh, yeah, yeah. They didn't think I was funny at all. And I'm not like my brother Kevin in in conversation is funnier than I will ever be. Uh, my brother Kevin is like Bill Murray-ish wow. in his just personality and the way he can tell a story. Yeah. Uh, just insane. His, the stories of his drunken antics in our hometown are yeah. uh, legendary. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, no, the, and I wanted to be a, a comedian and an actor. And so, and that really drove me out of my hometown because everybody else lives five minutes from where we grew up and yeah. I live. Yeah. Well, you know, it's, it's interesting because you just gave such a, in terms of self therapy and self diagnosis, you gave such an accurate assessment of, of kind of why you got into comedy in terms of it quieted your family down. It got attention yeah. from them. Right. But does that get you anything in your adult life? Like the fact that you know everything about yourself like that, cause I'm on this quest to like figure out stuff about myself all the time, but you know, all this stuff. And do you feel yeah. happier for knowing it? I, thought, I mean, it's, it's interesting. Uh, it, it's, you know, the thing I had a bit in 1972 oh, when wow. I was six, Wow. <laughs> I had a bit, which is I could do Nixon. <laughs> and wow. my dad would have his friends over and would call me down from upstairs Wow! to do Nixon for his friends. And they yeah. would laugh and I get approval. And I go back upstairs. Right. Do you remember that what was... lines you would say? I would just go, my fellow Americans, <laughs> let me make this perfectly clear. <laughs> and, and, it's so cute. And, then, uh, and I had a lot of opinions about the opening to China. Uh, but uh... <laughs> Triangular diplomacy. Yeah. <laughs> Cambodia is not an independent country if it's filing munitions down to North Vietnam. That's when you got sent upstairs. It's like, let's not get too specific with the geopolitics. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) But it was, yeah, it was like, it was right there. It's like, yeah, no need for Freud. Like, I get it. (laughs) There you go. I get it. You're also fortunate that you're not far from Boston, which was which wasn't I don't know is it is it still it was a comedy hub. Not na- not now, but at the time it was a per. I mean, I got what do they say is like um, uh, Robert Evans used to say that uh, <laughs> luck is when uh, preparation meets opportunity. Goldie and... does a hell of a Robert Evans. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, here's here's the line he did. Uh, you do a better Robert Evans than I do. I did have dinner with Robert Evans. Oh. Um, but uh, the line that they did on The Simpsons that I had nothing to do with was Homer couldn't sleep and he was watching Robert Evans on Charlie Rose, <laughs> and uh, and it's just and he goes, uh, I get a phone call. Uh, Charlie Blue Don's having a birthday party. Was I nervous? <laughs> I had butterflies like Jason said chili. I called Bobby Town, and three drafts later, we had ourselves a banner. Happy birthday, Charlie. <laughs> <laughs> three drafts to get the happy birthday. <laughs> I called Bobby Town. Bobby Town for three drafts on that one. 
Yeah, I had dinner with him because my my ex-wife was a big showbiz uh, force. And we had dinner with Mr. Evans, and he was wearing a white turtleneck with a bolo tie. Oh, yeah, well, Gold, Goldie, you <laughs> oh spent the God. day with him. Yeah. Wow! The he was wearing a, a shorty kimono and splayed on an outdoor velvet waterbed. <laughs> and not splayed elegantly, but splayed sure. like a like a, a dog that maybe has a year and a half left. Yeah, yeah like <laughs> splayed like Rodney. Yeah. <laughs> oh my goodness. That being said, he lo- let me look through every drawer in his house and encouraged me to do it. <laughs> That's uh, so bizarre. I love it. You yeah. want to see one of Jacqueline Bissett's pubes? No, yeah, exactly. I, I, basically. Yeah. And You're... yes, I do. Yeah, by the way, the answer is yes. Yes, please. And he knows, wait, this is Jacqueline Smith. I'm sorry. <laughs> I, I get them confused too, Robert. It's okay. Um, so Boston is like a great proving ground for you. Yeah, Boston, for comedy in Boston in the 80s, uh, for me, it was like if I wanted to be a musician and I lived in San Francisco in 1967. It was yeah. just like, this soil has been fertilized beyond belief. Between and, when you decided you wanted to get on stage and when you were making a living, how long was well, there in I, the interim? My first open mic in a comedy club was two weeks after my high school graduation at this place Whoa. called the Ding Ho. Wow. And then by the I was at a fresh as a freshman in college, I was making money doing shows at UMass, but not supporting myself. So I think four years uh, I was supporting myself doing stand-up after I started, probably. That's amazing. 86, 87, maybe five, 87. But I moved to San Francisco in 1987, and I was a working comedian by then. What happened in Boston was, in the 80s, that was all of these, you know, for the economically, there was a big comedy boom, and comedy was very inexpensive to put on. It wasn't that you didn't need a band, you didn't need, you know, need a soundboard, you just need a, a microphone and a light. And, you know, mm-hmm. you, we used to make a joke, you know, you go in the back room, and there was a disco ball, and uh, the the urban cowboy fake bron- yeah. bucking bronco, <laughs> yeah. and whatever the... You know, and now it's a comedy club, and in, and in two weeks it's going to be something else. Right. Um, and so there were all of these clubs that you could work in. Yeah. And it was cash. It was crazy cash. And I moved there, and I had a car, so I could drive the other comedians to oh, the gigs. Yes. Because uh, not all of them had cars. And most importantly, I did not drink or do cocaine, which meant that I was dependable to get them there and get them back. And they didn't have to share their cocaine. (laughs) (laughs) Cocaine was huge. Uh, It was a uh, cash business. And uh, (laughs) I've seen more cocaine than the Eagles roadie. And, um, (laughs) And so I worked every night. Uh, just driving people uh, to gigs and doing sets because, you know, they would, you know, and, and so I just had so much stage time. Um, yeah, and meeting uh, lots of other uh, comics, right? I'm sorry? And meeting lots of other comics and creating yeah, yeah, those yeah. relationships. Many of them and... still my, you know, most of them still my friends. I mean, the ones that are still alive. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I knew that's how I met Bobcat and yeah, like cool. Brian Kylie, the writer Brian Kylie. Uh, yeah. Uh, was uh, John Groff? We're both there the first night I did stand up. Oh, wow. um, yeah. Was Bobcat uh, the first guy you knew who got really famous? Yes. Well, Stephen Wright. Stephen oh, Wright uh, and then Bobcat. Yeah. 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 Cool. 
and Bob, Bobcat and I used to hate each other. <laughs> and now he's my best friend. Oh, so, I love so, that. It's so interesting. Did that just was that like an unspoken thing? Sort of an too- oh no. <laughs> Very. I love no, that. we did. We made a documentary about it called Joyride that came out in 2019 or 2020. It followed us on the road and flashed back to our past. Oh, you can. Wow. Because um, uh, we it, there was a lot going on. One, growing up in a town where everyone knows you and you're not parented at all. I mean, I wasn't raised. I was housed. Um, (laughs) I was, I'm sure, obnoxious. (laughs) I can't even imagine being around me (laughs) up until about 30. Just like, I'm sorry. Let's say 45, but yeah. (laughs) 48. 48. (laughs) Yeah, but just like, just the need and the the being on, because I just didn't know. I mean, I I had to raise myself and I, you know. Yeah. And um, so so that, that didn't help. And, you know, Bob had these friends, uh, Dan Spencer, Tom Kenny, Paul Kozlowski, Tom Kenny, now the voice of SpongeBob. SpongeBob sure. um, and they were all roommates and they were, you know, and then Bob moved to San Francisco to become a, and became a star. I moved into town and I became their friend because we all liked this. We didn't, we weren't cokeheads in our thirties. We were punk rock fans in our twenties. Right. Yeah. And we all liked the same stuff. Um, and then Bob came back and I was like dad's new wife. It's like, who's this? <laughs> uh, no. And we got off on the wrong foot and stayed there for 15 years. Um, <laughs> and then one night after a show at Largo, Bob just said, this is stupid. We should be friends. And it was, it was, it was literally that, that easy. And, and yeah, now we're, we're really, is, is that the same time you met Jay Leno as well? I met Jay in the '80s in Boston. Yeah, I opened for Jay in the '80s and Seinfeld. I've opened. I opened for Seinfeld at the Punchline in Atlanta. Um, wow. I opened for Jay in some place in Vermont or something. I knew all those guys. Jay seems perfectly yeah. suited for Vermont. I don't know why. You know, he never touches his Tonight Show money. <laughs> he always he always talks about how he doesn't talk. It's like, what would happen? I know. <laughs> I think I said, I said a couple of weeks ago, he never touches the Tonight Show money he took from Conan. <laughs> that is in a safe place not to be touched but yeah uh, all right so you you come out west and then tell us about because it's so interesting i was looking at all of your many impressive and cool credits and it's <laughs> like you lived the life being a part of the things that i assume goldie and i and probably jc were like on the other side fans of like i loved the ben stiller show like i love dr (laughs) Katz. like i love like all these things that i see that you and you mentioned mystery science theater earlier that was like the best yeah that was huge so it's like how did you make the transition from being this comic who's supporting himself to you know what i'm going to be a bigger part of these things i'm going to be a, a writer on these projects again i really came up at a great time uh and i had a lot of great friends so i i moved to san francisco in 1987 always with the goal of living in los angeles eventually mm. i wanted to be an i wanted to be an actor i wanted to be a movie star i assumed i would be yeah, sure. <laughs> um why wouldn't i <laughs> um you know i moved down to la at the height of you know in, in the 89 well, I'm glad um, you got away from Boston and all that cocaine. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Was never, 
I've still never done it. Um, I did once at Nick's Comedy Club, which was a, I don't know if it's still going, but at the time I lived there, it was a largely a money laundering front. <laughs> uh, we used to call it the Bulletproof Lounge. Um, I sat backstage and watched Sam Kennison do like four long rails of cocaine, go yeah. in the men's room, throw up, come out and say, if you don't throw up, you're not doing it right. Oh my and then God. go on stage. It was very funny. Um, but uh, yeah, I moved down to LA and then uh, Ginny Garofalo, who I knew from Boston, uh, came out and she, had, she knew Ben Stiller. And then we started to do that whole alternative comedy thing just because we were looking for but by that time the, the the comedy boom was starting to get a little putrid and yeah, comedy that was, clubs that was when goldie and i stepped on stage we apologize no, li- literally me <laughs> grabbing the mic my first time on stage marks the end of the comedy boom <laughs> <laughs> i love this take of yours goldie. It's, it's documented but i i want to because you were on this thing called the bob hope young comedian special you a hilarious <laughs> bit about this hey no kidding huh <laughs> so bob hope was what our parents thought a comic should be right but uh-huh. what we thought was just a painfully unfunny person running around with a golf club doing sure nothing. yeah he was i'm, I'm gonna show, I, this is keep going and i'll find this and show it to you so you know I've, i imagine you've had a few of these in your career but when you were doing this young comedian special was that a moment oh look <laughs> wow at look at the Look at the disdain. <laughs> Who's this young fella? Hanging <laughs> in your spirit box. <laughs> Did you think that that was, okay, I'm going to do this and I'm going to wake up tomorrow and everything will be different and I will have made it and then I'm, I'm the Not next by, person? No, by then I knew that was a bullshit. I thought that would happen when I got on Letterman. Yeah. You know, and that was a huge... Uh, give us a deal. year. Give us a year on that. I didn't get on Letterman until nineteen. The hope thing was in nineteen ninety four. I mean, I was hot. I mean, I was. You know, I had a period of heat yes. where I was. You know, guy had a bunch of development deals and yeah, got my teeth fixed. <laughs> and uh, you know, um, and then uh, I did. I'll never forget. I got Letterman. Finally, got Letterman. Uh, uh, this is a great little show business snapshot. Okay. Yes. I wanted to get Letterman so bad, and I just couldn't get on. And I'm not a good comedian for that kind of performance. Disagree. Like I'm, I don't, I don't always have jokes. I'm, I'm much more organic, and and I'm not, you know, uh, it's not really my metier. Yeah, it's like four and um, a half minutes, and just I was like, yeah, joke. Stephen Wright is the perfect yeah. comedian for that. And I'm not that. Sentences. Um, <laughs> perfect. <laughs> yeah. Um, but anyway, and I, and when Robert Morton was there, I I just couldn't buy my way onto that show. Finally, Robert Morton leaves and uh, the other guy comes in and I get it almost instantly. And uh, I go to Letterman and uh, I do this set and it's fine. It's completely fine. Oh, no. It's the most passively, you know, it's just fine. I get a laugh, I get laughs, I get an applause break. It was just, uh, you know, when you get, uh, do you ever eat ramen? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And you get that. It's called a chasu. It's like a yes. big slab of pork. Yes. There's very yes. little flavor left in it, but it occupies space and has mass. <laughs> <laughs> that was what it was. Oh, you, you got JC with that one. Oh my God. <laughs> That's what it was. It was comedy chasu. Um, and. And then I 
got out of the show and all my friends who lived in New York were out of town and it was summer and I just, there's a lot of traffic. So I just walked back to my hotel and changed and went to the movies by myself and flew home the next day. <laughs> oh, right. <You're> like, <laughs> your life changed. And were you, I mean, that. did that put you in any kind of funk or anything? Or, or you no, just kind of no, it was, no. But uh, I had a friend named Drake Sather who yeah. summed up Letterman perfectly. It was like, yay, I was on TV for five minutes at midnight. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, yeah. But it was, it was, it was like, I did it. I was very happy that I did it. But that was it. So flash forward the next year, 1997, my uh, future wife uh, and I, uh, she's a big uh, agent. And we're going to go to Tuscany and stay with Robert Morton in his house (laughs) for a week with some other people. And I'm like, (laughs) my bet noir, Morty. And this is going to be sweet. <laughs> and he was so charming and so lovely. And then we're finally we're talking about Letterman. And I'm like, wait. And he goes, when did you do Letterman first, Dana? And I went, uh, 96, last year. And he went, and it was clearly not lying. You know, like you can tell. He was like, no, that was, that was after I left. I was uh-huh. like, yeah, I know. Because you never did it with me. I go, no. He goes, really? You were always on the board. Like, no. And he goes, oh, my God, I'm so sorry. Aww. Oh, we loved you. And it was just so like, this whole thing was all in my head. Yeah. That's a really. Morty's a genius. Morty's yeah. a genius. <laughs> I don't know. That's a really good story. It's like. That's so great. Because you created oh like your a... own story about it. You created, yeah. You know the old story about like the guy that wants the secret of life and he travels to the Himalayas and he climbs to the top of the mountain and sees the great master and he, he goes before the great master and he goes, or master, what's the secret of life? And the great master goes, enjoy every moment. And he goes, enjoy every moment? And the great master goes, it's not enjoy every moment? <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Fantastic. All right. So then now you're you're just fully in it now. You're you're in, you know, the the nineties entertainment yeah. scene, which uh-huh. was do you find because I think maybe it's just because of my age and bias, but like to me, nineties comedy was the coolest. Like I think about kids in the hall and I think mm. about Ben Stiller show and Mr. Show and yep. Dr. Cat. Like, I'm just like, these are all things that I love. And I feel like, Oh, we're, we're never going to top that. It like, was, I, is, 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 am I wrong? Like there, are there things today that I should be watching and enjoying on that level? I'm, I'm sure there are. I don't know uh, because I am up my own ass, but um, <laughs> other than um, hanging with Dr. Z. <laughs> yeah. I mean, uh, it was a nice little scene, the Ben Stiller people, and then at the same time you had the kids in the hall, yeah. and and then you know Mr. Show was just, <laughs> I was like to say, uh, Mr. Show was the new order to the Ben Stiller show's Joy Division. <laughs> um, Everything from Joy Division to New yeah. Order. Yeah, exactly, exactly. But it was it was just the Ben Stiller show without without Ben and Judd, um, and uh, you know it was it was just. People with a, a like-minded, you know, some sensibility, uh, doing what we love. Like we all wanted to be, like the things that we loved when we were doing that was we were watching SCTV mm-hmm. and and Albert Brooks. Like we all mm-hmm. wanted to be Albert Brooks. 
Um, oh, well, we, maybe we should um, give Mr. Brooks a chance to defend himself. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, don't talk to me. I need to do it. I have nothing to do. <laughs> yes. We got a little. He does a fantastic <laughs> Albert Brooks along with Johnny Carson. <laughs> I went to the Tonight. The only time I went to the Tonight Show with Johnny Carson was Albert's last appearance. And I stole his dressing room card. <laughs> what? Oh, yes. Cool. Where'd you yeah. it? It's in the garage. And I, you know, I would never. But it was very weird because he hung, he was friends with Janine. And so I knew him through Janine. And you were her roommate, uh, right? Yeah. I was like, roommate, like she was on my couch or I was on her couch. You know, I was like, <laughs> um, yeah. And uh, I didn't know that he knew who I was. Um, yeah. But then I was at a party, a Simpsons party, and I was there and I was kind of like eyeballing him out of the corner of my eye. <laughs> and finally he went, hello, Dana. <laughs> and, uh, wow. oh, oh, and then uh yeah, he's just great I mean, th- that is one of those things like you really do it's like a guitarist meeting eric clapton or something yeah. or hendrix is like well okay i yeah. did that yep <laughs> yeah That's and so, so and so smart you know he was talking about i was friends with stanley kubrick uh he he, he said in the magazine uh, that uh, he loved my film Modern Romance. So I wrote him a letter and he said, call me up. And he called me and I would, I would talk on the phone. And I called him up. And uh, and, uh, and we talk on the phone. And then one day I go, maybe I'll come out to London and we'll hang out. And he's very quiet. So I never brought it up again. So one night uh, I'm up and I'm watching Johnny. And Scatman Crothers is on promoting Bronco Billy. And Johnny says, uh, and and Scatman, and he says to Scatman, he goes, "How'd you like working with uh, Clinton?" He goes, "Johnny, I did a take, and he said cut print, and I started crying. I started crying, Johnny." <laughs> and uh, and he goes, I, well, "Why did you start crying?" Because it was one take. Stanley Kubrick had me walk out of a snowcat 87 times. <laughs> I go, oh, my God, this is too funny. I happen to know what's breakfast in England. Stanley's up. I call him up. Stanley, it's Albert. I'm watching the Tonight Show. Scatman Crothers is dragging your name through the mud. Stanley <laughs> thunders from across the ocean. Never work with Scatman Crothers. He can't do the same thing the same way twice in a row. Slams down the phone and we never spoke again. <laughs> <laughs> I love. I was waiting to hear if you also had a Kubrick in your quiver, because <laughs> the Scatman was excellent. The Brooks is sublime, and then I was like, you can't have a Kubrick. Nobody knows. Well, he could. Well, I was doing Albert doing Kubrick. Kubrick is actually this. <laughs> yeah, he's like kind of He's Claire Quilty from Sellers is doing Sellers is doing Kubrick in yeah. uh, Lolita. He's doing Kubrick. Wow. You have a very uh, beautiful daughter. <laughs> and in Dr. Strangelove, he's doing Ouija. Oh, that's so we- That's unbelievable. I well, that's nuts. You, I know. You know a lot but of I love movies. those weird, like, oh, that's just me doing we. That's just me doing this. That's just, yeah. what is the, I, I love actors' tricks. I, I once asked, or, or, or the, the weird origins of that, I once, we, there was a Simpsons episode that John Schwartzwelder, who's a flipping genius, wrote and i've never asked this of a writer ever because i know how terrible it sounds but homer was at the grocery store and he was arguing with the the register guy and at one point he goes the customer's always right that's why everybody loves us (laughs) and the guy goes get out of the store and he picked up the separator stick yes and he went i'll leave if i can keep this (laughs) 
And I just said, all right, John, how? <laughs> how did you write that? Yeah. I, I've, and I said, like, I've never asked this question of anybody. And he just went, oh, Homer's a golden retriever. Oh, right. That's what a golden retriever would do. Oh and it was God. just like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> it was like a revelation. Like, oh, my God. You're right. That's such a I great way to look at Homer, by yeah. the way. What yeah, if... he's a golden re- When in doubt, he's a golden retriever. Well, because um, well, Schwarzwelder wrote, I think, more Simpsons than anyone by far. Schwarzwelder is the only person who writes scripts that I would read for pleasure. Right. Oh, wow. just, they're just so mind-boggling. Very funny. By the way, yeah, Goldie, so Goldie, you're like that, a family guy. I get very excited to read your scripts. Aww. Yeah. I, I, I thank you, but I would not put my <laughs> well, name know, in I... the same sentence. As <laughs> what kind of animal is Stewie? <laughs> Stewie is whatever you write in a mad panic when you realize you have three hours left to turn in your script. There it is. That's the Schwarzwelder attitude. I love it. Well, so now we're we're talking about it. Let's talk about it. How did you end up on The Simpsons? Because that you talk about shows that uh, shaped certainly my comedic sensibility. That sure, sure is one, and and certainly Seth's. Hey, everybody. Hey, no kidding. Uh, I so not long after it, this kind of tags into that the Morty story. Uh, I was I was getting a little savvy about the business, uh, and I was growing up, and I uh, had a I was engaged and uh, the comedy boom was kind of waning. And I ended up, I I wrote a pilot. I'd always been paired with writers that would come up with a pilot. Like I had so many development deals and like, uh, and I would love with great, right. You know, Jace Richdale and I wrote Dana. You were a DJ. What were you? Zookeeper. Uh, What? Dana. No, Dana was about my family. It was like, I was a college student that wanted to be a poet. Um, with a bunch of hunters, uh, it was, it was, Jay, it was Jace wrote it, I, you know, and then, uh, Linwood Boomer and I wrote, uh, <laughs> a title that I came up with that he loved that I then said, no, it's a joke. <laughs> Don't, we can't call it that. Uh, nice try. The aptly named. Uh, <laughs> it seems set up for, uh, a, yeah, I know. A, like, review, snarky review leading with long. your chin. Yeah. yeah. Um, Hey, what's this? <laughs> um, and then, I thought you were uh, going to say I... with Linwood Boomer, you came up with a pilot called Malcolm on the Left. Didn't quite <laughs> Malcolm, make it, and perfected it. I was always everybody's last thing before they hit it. Yeah. Um, and then, and then I wrote one myself called um, uh, "World on a String." That was really a great idea. It was basically like it was like the structure of Seinfeld in a Pee Wee's Playhouse reality. Oh, cool! Ah, that's cool. Um, and it did get made and wow. uh, by Fox, and it didn't get picked up. It was very close, I've been told, repeatedly. Yeah. <laughs> by, by Morty. Um, I'm, always, I'm always close. I'm always the last guy. I'm the, I'm the Pete Best of everything. <laughs> uh, but uh, I really enjoyed writing it, and I found that I really – the, the writing of it was more satis- – I found it was more satisfying than acting it. The acting, it was almost like an afterthought. Um, and, uh, so I said, maybe I'll just, you know, I was living with my girlfriend. We were buying a house. There was comedy was, I, you know, by that time I'd been doing stand up for like 15, 16 years. Um, and I knew that by and large, what it begat was more stand up. Uh, and I, I liked the idea of going to work every day and being an adult. Um, Mm -hmm. so I worked on a show and then 
that show got canceled. And then George Meyer, who's, I think my wife was his agent. Um, he said, Hey, Dane is writing. Would he want to come to the Simpsons for like a day a week? And, um, and I was so stupid at the time I did say, yeah, but I can only come on like a Monday or Tuesday because I still got to go on. I still got to go on the road. (laughs) (laughs) And they went, all right, uh, come on Tuesday. And so I did that and really loved it. Yeah. Yeah. And then uh, one day I was sitting in the room and Mike Scully came in and said, uh, hey, I think your contract is up. And I was like, literally like, oh, sure, get my stuff. And he just said, you want to just come every day? And I said, yeah, that'd be great. He goes, all right. He goes, I'll never forget. He goes, all right, I'll call your agent. And then he turned and went, sucker, and walked out. (laughs) (laughs) And then, you know, I was there for eight years. And it was, I mean, it was a great moment. I know people hate me from that. Like falling backwards into the Simpsons is not something people want to hear. Wait, what? uh, No, I don't understand that. What do you mean by that? Like writers are envious of having that opportunity to like, I just like, I kind of fell into it really. Oh, no. Didn't even try. Haven't you heard Um, everybody falls into it? everything yeah Um, yeah but i was you know it was great and i love all those you know you didn't go to harvard to get here (laughs) that's true well thank god mike was running the show because right you didn't have to go to harvard right Um, your your milltown alliance yeah exactly 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 people that knew textiles um and uh and mike also knew that you know you had to have different kind of different kinds of flavors yeah voices and Mike knew that you needed different kinds of flavors on a team. Yeah. yeah. Well, you add a fantastic flavor. And, uh, you know, Dana, we so appreciate you coming today. And we love talking to you. And we would love to talk to you anytime that yes. you want to do this. And please come talk to us again when you're doing the next Dr. Zayas season, when that's coming Oh, out. yeah. No, it would be it would be great. Uh, obviously, you... Um, we're friends. <laughs> Anytime, I'm happily. I'll, as you can tell, I don't have any problem talking about myself. It happens really well, and I, I, I really hope we get to work together again. Uh, Me too. Yeah, that, that was, was great. So that was so such a pleasure to go to a room where everybody had a fastball. It was really great. Oh, oh that's cool. That's nice. Yeah. That is nice. And also a pleasure yeah. to go to a room where the, the guy running it loves stories about Albert Brooks and Johnny Carson. It and worked out well for me. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> All right, Dana, thank you so much. You've been awesome. We appreciate it. Thank you. It. Yeah. Uh, see you guys yeah. later. Right, see you later. <laughs> Bye. Oh, God. Dana. Awesome. <laughs> yes. So fun. He's like the man of a thousand voices. Boy, he does great impersonations and has such great stories. Dana, thank you so much yeah, for being thank you. here. Now let's get into a portion of the show we like to call Top Five. Top Five. Oh, we sound beautiful, but not as beautiful as our subject today, <laughs> which is Top Five Bob Seeger songs. A little, a little story before we start this is on Family Guy. We got uh, permission from Bob to use one of his songs, and I guess they didn't read the full page of the script because the joke of it was, why do all Bob Seger songs sound like someone's trying to take a shit out of the window of a moving car? <laughs> oh, no. Like, so then there was a bit about it where some guy in the window like... And apparently Danny Smith, our old friend, uh, had to field an angry phone call from Bob Seger himself. Oh, wow. (laughs) Yeah. Um, But that said, I love Bob Seger, so here are my top five Bob Seger songs. Number five, Turn the Page. Okay. A very depressing Bob Seger song with a somber, somber saxophone that I love. Number four, 
a personal guilty pleasure, Shakedown from the Beverly Hills Two Cop, oh, Beverly yeah. Hills Cop Two soundtrack. <laughs> Love that song. A lot of action in that one. Number three, this one got me. Like a rock. Like I know a they rock. used it. On, really? They used it on, <gasps> I, they used it so on Chevy. Cornball I, now. I, I love it though. It's if you listen to the song now, it's <laughs> yeah. it's a good song. It's, it's Budweiser, song. right? Ruined. Uh, no, Chevy. Chevy. Oh, <laughs> che- Chevy trucks like a rock. Okay. Budweiser, right? They're a good guess. <laughs> Number two, still the same. Okay. Oh. That's yeah. a good one. That's you always won every time you placed a bet. Good starting line. <laughs> and number one, I would say this would be everybody's number one, but I think JC's are going to be such a wild card. Number one for mm-hmm. me is undisputedly Night Moves. Oh. Yeah. The, the best song about fingering that has ever <laughs> been written. Jeez. <laughs> All right, Goldie. Okay. Uh, number five, I'm going with. <laughs> Catmandu, yeah, which is that I think that it really mirrors my attitude toward yeah, everything. It's a very you song. <laughs> so. I want to be there so badly. I once, uh, I, when I was up in Alaska, I duetted that with an Inuit guy at a karaoke bar. Awesome. We just, we just, I was singing it. I picked it, and then he came up and started doing it with me. That's amazing. Yeah, it was That's good. So it's fun. Cute. Uh, Number four, I'm gonna go with "Roll Me Away." Oh, yeah, I don't know that. Maybe "Roll Me Away" to Kathmandu. <laughs> oh, there you go. Ooh, Can you do nice. this with all and five? And you might want to roll me away <laughs> during number three, one of these Hollywood nights. Oh, it's a good one. It's a good one. Good yeah, pace. driving beat. And then, I mean, I think it's just direct overlap with number two, still the same, and number one, night moves. Ah, yeah, okay, okay. Yes. So, um, so for me, yeah. I didn't know Bob Seger very well, and <laughs> oh, it was Google. <laughs> so I had to kind of listen a little bit. Yeah, good. And um, I may, I maybe like him a little bit more. Oh boy! <laughs> so oh, I'm just boy. gonna list basically the songs that I know. There was one song that I'd never heard before that I really enjoyed, which became my number two. But um, okay. my number five is "Against the Wind." Yeah, love that one. Um, number four, still the same. There you go. Yeah. See? I like See? that song. You're locking in. <laughs> Number three, Night Moves. Yeah. Yep. Oh, now I'm intrigued. Now yeah. I'm intrigued. Um, number two, Ramblin' Gamblin' Man. Yeah, yeah, that was six for me. I listened to that and I was like, oh my God, I love this song. This song's good. Oh my God. Yeah, it was just, I had never heard it before. And then number one, I don't know, maybe it's too cliche. Maybe it's not even Bob Seger, but I have old time rock and roll. Oh, yeah. I was sure. about to congratulate us for not having that. <laughs> <laughs> See, that's why I knew you can't pick what JC's going to put. But by why the way, do you like that so much? Well, first Just of all, it's only. Song? No, only because of Risky Business. Yeah. 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 It's a great song. It's scene. kind of the ultimate boomer, okay boomer song, I would say. <laughs> you know, where it's like, yeah, all your music sucks. And give me this. And I don't want to go if you drag me to a disco. And it's like, no one's taking you That's to a hilarious. disco. No one's going, you should go to a disco. That'll be fun for me is to take your you. fucking obese jeaned corpse into the disco <laughs> and hang out with this 
downer who hates everything uh, who just wants to get on his motorcycle and ramble okay it sounds like it's you're just the whole conceit of the thing is such, it's so it's such bullshit it's like <laughs> it sounds like you're taking shots that's at jay leno but that's exactly course. the type who is is like my motorcycle and at the bar we could go anywhere and it's like and then they have this music and i don't know it it's like my uh my That's mother, really every time that comes on the radio, she will turn it up and dance towards me. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, my God. <laughs> she loves that song. That's immensely. really cute. <laughs> uh, yeah. All right. That was fun. So, JC, what are we going to top five about? Oh, no, no. You don't have to say, right? Well, oh, I yes. Can... You set the one for the, the, the next... Viner and Scully. Yes. So, so actually... what are they? What are you going to stick them with? I can't wait. You're oh. going to get them. <laughs> it's not. No. It, this one is submitted by... Louis Schneider. Thank you, Louis. Hey, Lou. Top five things you would only get if someone else is paying. Oh, I like it. Oh, I like that. Thought-provoking, Louis Schneider. Yes, More than just a pretty face is all Lou. (laughs) Yes, he sent me a bunch, so... Okay. Uh, Just go easy, Lou. I can't wait to see what Denzel Washington says. (laughs) 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 All right, all right. No, I'm not going to do a Denzel. Why would I do that? Cut that out of here. Um, All right, let's end the show mercifully on a high note. (laughs) Thank you, Tom and Max. And Tom, you are welcome back next week. I don't know about some of the other people, but we're excited (laughs) to listen to you. Um, I had a a quick high note this week was, I don't know if you read this story out of Columbia. There was a plane crash in Columbia maybe five or six weeks ago. Yes. And they were searching for any survivors, and a, a few people died, but four kids survived and lived in the jungle by themselves for 40 days, and one of the kids was one. Yeah. So they had Unreal. like a, it was like a nine-year-old, a seven-year-old, a five-year-old, and a one-year-old. Yeah. For 40 and they days. Lived for 40 days. <laughs> it's crazy. So I, you know... I congratulate them, and I thought that was awesome that they made it. So yeah, I don't great know job, if I could four do kids in Columbia. <laughs> well, the Amazon is pretty fertile. There's a lot of plant life and <laughs> water. I mean, if you're right. gonna survive, that's where you want to be. It's a good, better than a desert. <laughs> There's a few days ins that you can <laughs> days ins <laughs> Amazon. <laughs> we'll leave the light on. Well, speaking of of abandoned children, oh, uh, no. my high note is summer camp because. <laughs> My kids are both there right now. Yeah. And it's the first time I think we've been alone in over a decade. Oh, my God. I think we're alone now. Trying to fit a dozen years of life into three days. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Well, how long summer camp? I'm just shell shocked. No, these are just like one week. Oh, okay. Like mini camps, and they're coming back, and we're doing some stuff, and they go back to other things, and there's day camps. Anyway, but. But I, I just know that they're having a better time than if they were here. And, yeah, uh, summer. I'm, I'm having a, a pretty good time. So awesome. I'm, oh, I'm happy, what that means. very That's grateful for camp. For sex. Awesome. That's right. That's what it means. <laughs> I read it too. All right, JC, what do you got? My high note is in three day, or two days on the 15th, Stu drops another single. He's um, busy. He's busy, yes. And this one is a collaboration with none other than... Danny Elfman and Poppy, and it's very dark. It's a very oh. dark song. It's not for the faint of heart. Ooh. And also at the same time, the music video comes out for it, uh, done by Dark Details. 
and um, that's also very dark. So um, very exciting. Are you in it? No, not in it. Okay. He flew up to Seattle know. to to. You do were it. the you were the cover gal of the last single. Of the so last single, maybe. well, yeah. Well, that song was called "Everything She Wants." So and it's maybe. great. That's an awesome song. <laughs> oh, I yeah. really enjoyed that. Same, yeah. Um, yeah. All right. Cool. Awesome. Congrats, well, Stu. Yay, go Stu. Congrats, Stu. That's right. Um, well, thank you two for being awesome. Thank you. Thank you, Dana Gould. Thank you all for listening. And sigh, we won't be talking to you next week. JC will, <laughs> but please. Give shit to Mike Scully and John Viner, and we will talk to you in two weeks. Unless the aliens come and get me. That was fun. And it stops right now.